0: We turn in sacred scripture again to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we read the first 11 verses again. As we consider in a series this passage of scripture. And as we come from the Lord's Supper this morning. Romans 5 verses 1 through 11. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation "...worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The text is verses 3 and 4, and not only so, but we glory... In tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is how the words of the text begin. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Does that startle you? Does that sound strange to you? According to the language that the apostle uses, that's how he writes these words. He writes them as something that is startling. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. In the preceding verse, in verse 2, as we saw this morning, Paul says that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And that word rejoice in verse 2 is actually the same word used in verse 3 translated as the word glory. So Paul writes, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God, and not only so, but we rejoice in tribulations also. Or another word that could be used is the word boast. Boast. We boast in the hope of the glory of God, and we boast in tribulations also. That's what the word glory means. Beloved, do you rejoice in your tribulations? Do you boast in the struggles and hardships of life? Did you come to church this evening boasting and rejoicing in the tribulations that you are going through? That's what the apostle is talking about here. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the future that is in store for us in heaven. We rejoice knowing that we will be glorified one day. And not only so, but we rejoice in tribulations also. There's an element of confidence here. There's an element of expectation. There's a strong faith that the apostle is expressing here. These are very strong words. As one commentator puts it, This is strong meat in the form in which it comes to us. And this is a passage of Scripture that we need to handle carefully and reverently, but it's also a passage of Scripture that we need to believe and make good use of. Before we begin, let's remind ourselves of what the Apostle is doing here. Remember, the Apostle is spelling out the benefits of justification. And again, the young people know what the word justification means. It means to be declared righteous, to be declared innocent. It means that although we have sinned great sins and many sins, and we have still our sinful natures that cleave to us, and we should be declared unrighteous, nevertheless, God justifies us. He declares us righteous. As the judge, He declares us perfectly innocent as though we had never transgressed any of God's commandments. He forgives us all our sins. He doesn't hold them against us. He sees us as those who have positively kept His commandments. And all of this is possible because of what we celebrated this morning. Jesus, God Himself, He who is righteousness came in our flesh and He kept the law for us and He bore the punishment that our sins deserved and we are partakers of Him, of His flesh and of, all of, of His blood, partakers of Him spiritually by faith. And when God looks as judge at us, He sees us clothed in His own righteousness and He declares us righteous. And now here in Romans 5, the apostle is spelling out the benefits of that declaration the first benefit the chief benefit is that we have peace with the judge god no longer has anything against us we've been reconciled to god through the death of our lord jesus christ the second benefit we considered this morning we stand in a world of grace we stand in the sphere of grace we enjoy a life surrounded by mercy on every side and as we also saw this morning We rejoice in the hope of glory when God will raise us to even greater heights of joy and glory than what we already enjoy now. And now the third benefit we consider tonight, Paul writes, and not only so, not only do we rejoice in the hope we have of going to heaven, but the benefit of justification is this, we can even rejoice in the present tribulations that we are going through. That's what we look at this evening. We take as our theme, glorying in tribulations. We look at that theme under three points. First, the astonishing confession. Second, the beautiful explanation. And third, the personal application. It is an astonishing confession. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. And that word tribulations in the text is a very picturesque term. The word in the original means to press together or to squeeze. And the word really has two ideas. First, it has the idea of putting great pressure on someone so as to squeeze the breath and the life out of them. And then second, it, a similar idea, it has the idea of making someone's place very tight and narrow so that they're closed in. So, for one example, think of someone who's lying on the ground Children, you can understand this. They're lying on the ground, and they have a heavy cement block put on their chest. And then that person has another heavy cement block put on top of the first one. And then another heavy cement block put on top of the second one. And then another, and then another, so that soon that person is finding it very hard to breathe. And slowly but surely, if the same thing happens over and over again, a man could be pressed down and crushed to death by the weight of those blocks. That's, that experience of going through that is what the word tribulations is capturing. That idea. The word is variously translated in the New Testament as tribulations or afflictions or troubles. Well, what are these tribulations? Well, the word tribulations in the text can refer to the persecution that Christians experience in this world. But it's not to be limited to merely just that one kind of tribulation, the tribulation of persecution. In fact, there is another word in the Bible that specifically refers to that kind of tribulation, persecution. The word that the apostle uses in verse 3 is more general and it refers to all different kinds. ...of struggles and afflictions. For example, in James 1 verse 27... ...the word tribulations is translated as the word afflictions. Maybe if you remember from James 1 verse 27... ...the the apostle, or James writes... ...visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Visit the fatherless and widows in their tribulation. That's the word here. In Acts 7 verse 11... As Stephan is giving his defense before the Sanhedrin, right before he's going to be stoned to death, he gives a history of God's people. And in that history, he mentions Jacob and the famine that spread throughout all the world during the days of Jacob and his sons and how they had to move to Egypt. And there in Acts 7 verse 11, Stephan uses that same word that is used here in the passage, tribulation, famine, when you have no food, when you are poor, That's a tribulation. So the point is the word tribulation is a very broad word. It refers to the the troubles of persecution, the troubles of uh, being an orphan, being a widow, the troubles, the afflictions of famine. It includes the tribulations of bringing forth children into the world. It includes the afflictions of the body. It includes the struggles of married life or single life. And the Apostle Paul says in all these tribulations... In all these afflictions, we glory. We glory in tribulations also. Now, we could look at our own lives and we could say, We have many tribulations also. Daily, we have new tribulations. In this world, Jesus says, ye shall have tribulation. Because of the reality of sin, because of living in a world under the effects of the curse, there are tribulations. Right? Maybe some of your families this past week have had the flu. Kids puking on their bedsheets in the middle of the night. That's a tribulation. Maybe some of you are dealing with other more serious sicknesses. Cancer, or dementia, or diabetes, or anxiety disorders, or migraines, or worn down bones that need to be replaced. Maybe some of you are dealing with miscarriages that no one else in church knows about. These are tribulations. And there are not only our own sicknesses and our own diseases, but there are the the tribulations of those whom we love in our family and in the church. And those are not just tribulations for them, but for us also. The tribulations that our children are going through as children and young people and young adults, those are our tribulations also as parents and adults. The tribulations that aged parents go through as they decline in their later years, those are the tribulations that their children go through as they care for their parents. The tribulations that members of of the body of Christ go through are, are tribulations that we all feel as members of one body. These tribulations include not just sickness, they include poverty. The struggles you have at work, losing your job, having financial burdens, having simply the constant calling to work in order that you might eat, that's its own tribulation. This tribulation includes heartache, maybe as a loved one is taken away in death. These tribulations include the tribulation of warfare. Think of what the saints in Myanmar are going through as they face hard questions regarding their future. Where are they even supposed to live? Give up everything to flee? How are they going to interact with their own government? These tribulations include all the conflicts of life. Think of the Apostle Paul, how he had to rebuke the Corinthians with much affliction and tears. It's a hard tribulation to have to battle against sin, against worldliness in our own flesh. Or maybe in our own families. We have the tribulation perhaps of family members who are like the prodigal son, And you think about where their souls are headed. And these are soul-crushing thoughts that arise in our hearts. Maybe it's the tribulation of a handicap. A handicap that you were born with. or, Or a handicap that you received through an accident. These tribulations include the troubles of the daily grind of life. There are so many tribulations that come to us and that we experience. You might consider something in your own mind right now, and we pause and we ask the question, do we glory in these things? As these troubles in life are squeezing us together, and they would rob us of our joy and make us feel like we're suffocating, are we glorying in these things? A person goes to bed weeping in sorrow, making his bed to swim with tears. He's pressed together so tightly, it feels like he has a ton of cement blocks weighing on his chest, and he is at a loss for what to do. Do we glory in these things? And not only are these all tribulations, but as Christians, we experience all the tribulations of life even a little differently than our neighbors around us, because we experience these all things as pilgrims and strangers. As those who have been regenerated, we've been called to be spiritually separate from the world of sin. We're called to hate the evil, to love the good, have no fellowship with the works of darkness, but to live antithetically. And then to experience and go under all these tribulations faithfully as a Christian is hard. There is this constant reality that I am not like the world around me. There is this constant reality that we as God's people are not pursuing the things of this world. This world is crucified to me, and I'm crucified to this world. And there is a spiritual enmity that rises up between me as a seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. As Paul writes to young Pastor Timothy, All who live godly shall suffer tribulation. And this tribulation too comes in many different forms. It comes in the form of being a young person who's surrounded by the temptation of all the other, uh, of the temptation to live for himself like like so many other youth are doing. And he yet knows and she knows in her heart that he or she needs to live for the Lord as a young person in, in the strength of youth. And it's hard when you are in the strength of youth to give up the pleasures of this world to seek after the things of God. It's hard when sometimes it's even your own so-called friends who are encouraging you to commit sin with them. This tribulation includes the struggles we have in supporting the causes of the kingdom. Making the sacrifices so that we have what we need spiritually. The tribulation includes all the struggles we face in the church. Struggles in the consistory room. Struggles in the council room. Struggles at classes. Struggles at synod. It includes such things as having to deny your children certain joys because you have to teach them also to live as a pilgrim and stranger in the world, following the will of the Lord. There's no end to mentioning all the tribulations we experience in this life. And the astonishing thing the text says is that we glory in these things. We rejoice in the midst of these things. We boast in these things. In all these afflictions and troubles and sufferings, we boast. And and let's be clear as to what the Apostle is saying. It's not just as if the Apostle is saying, in spite of all these tribulations, in spite of all these struggles, we still glory because we have that hope of the glory of God. No, but Paul is saying it is in our tribulations themselves that we boast. They are the content of our boasting. We don't just rejoice in the hope we have of going to heaven. Not only that, but we boast even right now in the sufferings and afflictions and the hardships that we experience as we wait for that glory in heaven. These things here below, we esteem them highly. We have something good to say about these tribulations. Again, do you? Do I have something good to say about these things? Do I rejoice in these troubles? Or maybe... When I look about this myself, I think about Israel in the 40 years of wilderness wandering, complaining and grumbling and pitying themselves that as Christians who are headed to the promised land, they have to endure through these trials and sacrifices in life. The verse reminds me of other sobering verses in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 5, in everything, give thanks. James 1 My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, I will glory in my infirmity. Matthew 5, Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Is that even possible? We might even say sometimes, is is that even right? I think if we're honest with ourselves, this kind of language exposes to us just how far we still have to go in the life of sanctification. It reveals to me sometimes how weak my faith in the Lord is, how earthly-minded I can still be. Don't get me wrong here. There absolutely is a time for crying, There is a time for sorrowing and grieving. There is a time for the Christian to pour out his complaint before the Lord. The Lord gives us examples to follow of how to do that. The Christian is not morbid. And the Christian does not love suffering just for suffering's own sake. In a sense, we can even say the Christian is afraid of suffering. I I step away from it. Not only that, but spiritually, I even know the dangers involved sometimes in suffering. Or I think of Jesus Himself, how He asked God to take away that cup of suffering if it be possible. So the Christian does not long for suffering in some sickly way. Neither is the Christian supposed to act like a stoic and kind of assume the attitude or the posture of someone who doesn't feel anything anymore. Right, I numb myself of all feeling. I stop caring about things. That's not a Christian way to react to to the, the tribulations of life. God doesn't want His children to harden themselves against suffering. God gives us the tribulation exactly so that we feel the suffering. He wants us to feel the suffering. That's why He gives us the suffering, so that we might feel it. The Christian is not a stoic. I'm not some cold slab piece of rock. But yet even in the midst of the crying and pouring out my complaint to the Lord, there is still occasion for rejoicing, for boasting, for glorying. There is reason for giving thanks and praise. We glory in tribulations also. Why? That's where the apostle goes on in the passage to give the beautiful explanation. We glory in tribulation because of the fruit. We glory in tribulation because of the fruit. The Christian loves suffering and rejoices in his sufferings for the sake of the good fruit that it bears. And even before we look at the text and what the text says, we should point this out. The fruit, first of all, is this. I know that God's own power to save and God's own faithfulness and God's own goodness is going to be put on display through this tribulation. That's always what happens. It's always what happens. He always shows us His faithfulness. He always shows us that His word is true and we will never be left disappointed for trusting in Him. Our hope in Him will not be ashamed. It will not be disappointed. It will not be betrayed. His glory, His goodness, His faithfulness will be put on display. And that's what I want. I want the glory and the power of the grace of God to be put on display in my life. And that will happen as we pass through the tribulations. And so that's why, in part, we rejoice in tribulations. Because our first petition is always this. Hallowed be thy name. And God's name is hallowed when he leads us into a tribulation and then he shows us his grace as he leads us through the tribulation. His name is being hallowed. Wasn't that how it was with Jesus? Father, glorify thy name. And God's reply was, I have both glorified it. And we'll glorify it again. And then Jesus went on the pathway of suffering. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the name of God was glorified. And today it still is being glorified. That first of all. But to get to the text, the apostle mentions a few other considerations. First, why do we glory in tribulations? Because tribulation works patience. And the word patience in the text has this idea to abide under something. Patience is that spiritual virtue of persevering under, of enduring under affliction. And the idea of the word is that we endure under the affliction without constantly trying to get from under it. We stay under the affliction. We abide under the affliction with contentment, looking to God, waiting for Him to lift it off of us. A spiritually patient person is one who says, no matter what the way may be, thy will, O God, is my will, and I will walk humbly in thy way for me. That's patience. To use another word, I'm, there's probably even translations that have this word, but to use another word, think of the word bravery. That's, that captures somewhat of the idea here. Tribulations work Bravery. And this is a spiritual gift. This is not something natural, but a spiritual patience, a spiritual bravery, courage. There are people in the world who seem to have a certain natural patience. But this kind of patience is different. Spiritual patience is patience that receives tribulations from the hand of God and seeks to praise God through the tribulation. Right? You've heard of the patience of Job. What did his patience look like? Job was courageous. He was brave, spiritually speaking, and he praised God. The Lord hath given, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's spiritual courage. That's spiritual patience, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, as we heard it Wednesday night. Now, the text tells us that tribulation works patience and the word worketh means this to to bring about to produce tribulations work within the child of god this fruit this grace of patience now that doesn't happen naturally again tribulations of themselves don't have this kind of power in fact apart from god's grace tribulations really only work the opposite right we become bitter we become cynical we become more self-centered, self-absorbed, and rebellious. But Paul is talking here about how tribulations have their effect on the child of God by the grace of God. By God's grace, tribulations work within us patience. And that's because by God's grace, our faith is strengthened through the tribulation. Our faith is exercised through the tribulation. Going through tribulations is like spiritual weightlifting for the child of God. And sometimes it might be that five-pound weight that you have to live lift constantly throughout the day. Sometimes it's that 50-pound bag or that 100-pound bag. but But God exercises His people. Our faith is exercised through tribulations, and our faith grows under the tribulations. And in this way, the Christian virtue of patience is developed and is strengthened and brought to spiritual maturity so that by faith we are able to cling more more strongly, more tightly to the promises of God. We make more use of the promises of God and we rest in God's faithfulness more and we endure, we bring forth that fruit of patience. If you have spiritual life in you, if you are a regenerated child of God and God sends you tribulations, right? Always carefully measured out by His loving hand, well, He's going to use those tribulations to prune you, to to exercise you, to refine you, to cause you to grow, to develop the spiritual virtue of peace to its maturity. It's like what we read in Hebrews 11, or Hebrews 12, verse 11. Now no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous, right? No chastening, no tribulation right here in the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields, it brings forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness, of walking in God's ways more consistently unto those who are exercised by that chastisement. Tribulations have a sanctifying work on the child of God so that we're drawn closer to God. We learn more and more that vital lesson that this world is vanity and vexation of spirit apart from God. But glorifying God and enjoying Him, that's our fullness of joy. And we learn patience. Tribulations work patience. And then Paul goes on and adds, and patience works, experience. Verse 4, the first part, and patience, experience. And we might ask, what does that mean, right? Well, the word experience in verse 4 is a difficult word to translate. That's why it is what it is in the King James. If it's difficult really for us to pick up, it's because it's difficult to translate. Because it has a meaning that is very difficult to capture with just one English word. And we could put it this way the word experience refers to this idea of being tested by God, enduring that test, enduring the trial, and then enjoying God's approval. Like what Abraham experienced when God tempted him or tested him by offering up Isaac, and he came out of that trial and knew. God's approval and favor upon him. That's experience. The child of God has been tested. He's exercising patience through the trial. He's enduring. Patience and endurance have been worked within him. And now as he's coming out of the tribulation, or even in the midst of the tribulation, he's experiencing the approval of God. His character has been tried. His character has been profitably developed, spiritually matured more And you might say it's up to standard. That's the idea of the word experience. And the King James uses the word experience because this is the experience of the child of God as he's exercising patience. That's the point. Tribulations work patience and patience experience. As you endure through the tribulation, as you're exercising your patience, you experience in the inner man that God is well-pleased. You know that patiently, enduring, faithfully, enduring under the affliction is pleasing to God. And that's how patience works experience. That experience of of knowing God's approval. My activity of exercising patience works within me. The awareness that the grace of God is at work in me. It works within me the awareness that I am bearing the fruits of the Spirit, and it works within me the awareness, the experience of being well-pleasing in God's eyes. Here are the good works, the fruit that God is bringing to His own glory as I'm experiencing going through this tribulation. So, in the very, in addition to that, in the very exercise of patience, I see the evidence. I see the proof that God's grace is at work in my life. There is a life in me that is not from below. But there is a life in me that's from above. I see a spiritual life in me that is, that is unnatural for these circumstances. And it's pure. It's holy. And this is not something from me. This is not something from below. This is something from above. This is the work of God's grace in me. This is God testing me and making me stronger. And I experience that God is looking down upon me with fatherly love and delight and happiness. He's chastening me and He's seeing the fruit of His labors upon me. He's refining me and He's delighting in the work of His hands. I'm His craftsmanship. And even as I'm the clay or I'm the pot, I'm experiencing that. I know that to be the case, that God is making me His craftsmanship. Patience works experience. And then what? Verse 4 goes on to say, and experience works hope. This experience that I go through, experiencing God at work in me, experiencing who I am as a genuine child of God, that I'm persevering in my Christian walk, I feel God lifting me up on either side. That experience strengthens my hope. It brings me to a a new level of confidence, a stronger level of hope. Because I can say that already here, right now, I'm experiencing the beginning of being glorified. I'm beginning to experience more and more being transformed after the image of God. God. These tribulations that I'm going through in the end are strengthening me in this hope that I have of the glory of God. So go back to the last part of verse 2. I rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I rejoice in this hope I have, this certain expectation and longing of being brought to glory and being clothed with glory. I have the confidence I'm going to heaven, verse 2. And not only do I have that confidence as I look at the cross of Jesus Christ and and knowing that He has died for my sins, but I'm strengthened in that confidence even as, as I see the evidence of Jesus at work in me, as I see the patience and I experience my Father's approval. I think that's what makes the sermon an applicatory sermon. Beloved, your souls have been strengthened and nourished through the Lord's Supper this morning. You are strong, stronger than you were yesterday. Your souls have been replenished with the grace of God. And indeed, we have that every week, right? As we sit under the preaching and we enjoy the means of grace. And now the word is this. Go forth, living this life of patience, contentment, humility, perseverance, and holiness. And you will go from strength to strength. And you will go from hope to hope. As with each tribulation you endure, God continues to prove your character and show you the power of His grace at work in your life. You will take great delight in knowing that your faithful patience serves God's glory and it will also serve your encouragement as you see the evidence of grace more and more in your lives. That's why a holy life, living a holy life is its own reward and why it's so good, so satisfying, and so important for the Christian. When the child of God walks in sin, he's not experiencing these things, and all kinds of doubts and miseries start encroaching upon him. He doesn't experience this assurance of the hope of glory. But when the child of God walks in holiness, and he perseveres faithfully walking that path, that God gives him to walk. God gives him that assurance more and more of that glory that awaits him in heaven. He's walking that path that leads to that glory. Tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Therefore, we glory in tribulations, because tribulations quicken within us a greater, more certain hope And longing and confidence for heaven and now very briefly we want to make this personal and what I would emphasize is this you know this beloved you know this that's what the text says and not only so but we glory in tribulations also knowing You know this. These things that Paul is writing about, we've experienced these things as the children of God. We know that we grow in patience and we grow in spiritual maturity through the trials God sends our way. We know, I know, we know, you know that if it were not for the trials of life, you and I would be very weak Christians. But when we go through the trials, we learn Keep looking upward. We learn keep trusting in the Lord. We learn keep clinging to His promises. We learn patience. And then we witness these operations of God's grace at work in our lives. We see Him at work in us and through us. And we rejoice in it. And it kindles within us a greater yearning for the fullness of what God is doing. Molding me after His own image. We know these things. And we know these things also, if we want to get back to verse 1, because we know our justification, we know God is not against us, we know God is not at war with us, we know God is sending us these tribulations not to destroy us, but to cultivate us, so that we bring fruit. He has a good purpose in these trials because I know my justification. I know I have peace with God. I know I am living in the sphere of grace, in the land, the country of grace. This is my reality. And so I know that these tribulations are working a good thing. And and you know that. And so I ask you, what are the tribulations you're going through right now? What are the struggles that you're going through in life right now? I mentioned some of them in the first part of the sermon. There's so many, right? After we think we've, we've been honed and shaped by this tribulation that God brings us through, God has a, an entirely different tribulation over here, the next chapter in our lives, so that we're further shaped as far as this aspect of our life is concerned. And it's one, and then the next, and something different, and He's he's continually refining us. More and more molding us as a complete picture, reflection of Christ. What are the tribulations you are going through? Well, as you go through the tribulations, remember what you know to be true. Remember to live by faith. As you're justified by faith, as you partook of the Lord's Supper by faith, continue to live by faith. Recognize by faith, God has a good purpose in your tribulations. He is using your struggles for good. He's exercising you, again, not to tear you down, but to build you up. He is the perfect athletic trainer. And it feels good, doesn't it? I need to work on that too. It feels good to have that, even that physical exercise. It's good for my being. And spiritually, in the moment, it feels grievous. It's not joyous, but it yields that peaceable fruit of righteousness. And He knows the exercise regimen that you need. What we need is patience. What we need is faith to trust God and follow Him. What we need is what we enjoyed this morning. Remember who you are Remember, you are a child of God who has a chair at the table of the Lord. You are His beloved child. You have been brought into a world of grace. All things are for you. Nothing is against you. Because even God in His sovereignty has the devil and all His hosts under His control for you. You are justified. You are righteous in God's sight through Jesus Christ. That changes everything. You have eaten and drunk Jesus Christ to yourself. You've been replenished by God's grace. This week, again, there's going to be trials in our path. They are there to strengthen you. They are there to give me more the mind of Christ. They're leading me to glory. That too. And they're also going to strengthen me so that I experience the beginning of that glory more and more and and God is not leaving me to myself right he's not leaving me to myself he's at work maybe the final word tonight is this remember beloved that it all rests in your father's loving hands the patience that you are called to exercise the experience you have of God's approval under the trials the stronger hope it works in you it's all pointing back to the love of God that's the explanation for these experiences that you know this whole life you get to live knowing his love living for his glory living the antithesis living separate from sin living with purpose I've got a Memorial message tomorrow from Ecclesiastes. So I I think about that. Living with purpose under the sun so that this life is not vanity and vexation of spirit, but we have purpose. We don't deserve one moment of, of experiencing that purpose and meaning of life, but this is the life God has called you to. This is the life he has purchased for us through Jesus Christ, and we will rejoice in it We will be glad in it and we will be faithful to it. And it's all serving for us that greater life to come. The greater life of glory where there will be no more tribulation. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. And so even when it comes to tribulations today or tomorrow, we will glory in the tribulation. That's the benefit of justification. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thy word is good and thy word is right. Cause us to see it in its beauty. Cause us to see how even the tribulations are working for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, which, are not, which is not worthy to be compared even to the tribulations that we go through. Bless this preaching to our hearts and to our lives. Strengthen our faith and be near unto us, Lord. Cause us to know thy presence and cause us to enjoy thy smile. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.